Hi, I'm Richard Staines. Welcome to the latest edition of the Optimum Strategic Communications podcast. I'm here with Ahmed Musa, CEO of Vical Pharma, who is here to discuss the company's research into idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which I will refer to as IPF, and the company's lead drug candidate, uh, C21. Great to be here with you, Ahmed. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me, Richard. The first thing would be just to uh, give us an overview of IPF and the benefits and the drawbacks of standard care, please. Absolutely. So IPF, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, really, really, it's quite a terrible disease. It's a rare disease. It afflicts about 250,000 people in the U.S. and, and Europe. And unfortunately, you know, has only a survival of three to five years for patients after diagnosis. So quite a tough disease, worse than a number of uh, different types of cancer, you know, even. And essentially, uh, the disease as it's in the name idiopathic, the kind of reasons for the disease progression are not fully kind of understood. But at the same time, ultimately, it occurs because of damage that's happened to the lung. And that can be through a range of environmental and a combination of genetic factors as well, you know, kind of resulting in this progressive fibrosis or building up of collagen, fibrin, and other um, extracellular matrix in the lung, which essentially chokes off the ability of the people who are afflicted by the disease to breathe, you know, so that there's a decline in their lung function over time. And so that's really the, the disease in a nutshell. Now, there are two kind of current drugs that are approved for IPF. Uh, But that three to five year survival statistic that I mentioned, that's actually with those standard of care therapies. So even though there are some drugs approved on the market, uh, there really is a high need to find therapies that hopefully can extend the length of life for individuals who are diagnosed with this disease, but also the quality of life. And I think there are two elements to that. One is, right, because this disease is one that affects lung function, you know, the ability of patients who are diagnosed to be mobile, to do different activities, declines over time, and that's certainly terrible. But also the standard of care therapies have pretty tough side effects as well, including really strong GI side effects. And for that reason, actually, a lot of people don't take the standard of care therapies. So actually about 75% of people in the United States aren't on the standard of care therapies who are diagnosed with IPF. And and one of the drivers for that is the side effects. And there's also a high discontinuation rate. And so on an average of about 10 months, people who are on the standard of care, you know, stop using it. And of course that can be because of disease progression, but it can also be because of uh, these side effects that I mentioned as well. I think the way to think about it is a quite a tough disease, you know, quite fatal and something where we could really use drugs that are both, you know, kind of safer and have less side effects, but also ones that are more effective here as well. Thanks very much. And if you could start by just saying what ATRAG stands for and how this drug class, you know, a drug such as as C21 from this drug class uh, works in IPF, please. Yeah, of course, I'd be very happy to. So, you know, there are a lot of companies that have been really working hard to develop therapies for IPF. Uh, Vicor is taking a pretty unique approach with the target we've selected. Uh, So we've selected a target in the angiotensin 2 pathway called angiotensin type 2 receptors, and we agonize them or activate those receptors. And so why is that an interesting way to go after IPF and why are we excited to do it? So what's actually interesting about this, uh, these ATRAGs is they actually activate a natural lung repair system. 
that is anti-fibrotic, anti-inflammatory, vasodilatory. And actually the natural purpose of the system, you know, based on a number of studies that have been done both by Vicor and by uh, a variety of academic groups show that you actually can drive this repair process. And so we think that harnessing and even turbocharging a natural lung repair process is exactly the way you go after a disease like IPF, which I mentioned is kind of damage to the lung through a host of environmental, could be pollution, could be exposure to chemicals, could be all sorts of other things mixed together, you know, causing that damage. You want to really then go after kind of a, a broad and upstream repair system, which is exactly what we think this angiotensin II kind of receptor pathway does. Leading on from that, take us through the findings of the recent AIR trial and what they could mean for patients, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, for this mechanism of action, we've done a lot of preclinical experiments, which, you know, showed us that we were on the right track. But of course, it's important to ultimately look at how your drug behaves in the clinical setting. Uh, we had some really good, you know, phase one data showing that the drug is safe and well tolerated, which is not to be taken for granted in this disease state. As I mentioned, the standard of care therapies have some pretty tough side effects. So we're really happy to see that we had a safe and well-tolerated therapy in phase one. And then we went into a phase 2A study in IPF patients. And here we studied the effects of the drug on lung function, uh, which is kind of the primary thing that the FDA, the EMA, regulatory authorities, and also clinicians look at, right? Because you're trying to basically uh, stop the progression of the fibrosis that chokes off the ability of these patients to breathe. And this lung function is measured by forced vital capacity. And this forced vital capacity measurement then is something that we tracked in patients with IPF over nine months who we gave our drug. They took a 100 milligram kind of pill twice daily. Uh, and then we we tracked over time the lung function. And, you know, in a typical IPF population, I would say, the lung function declines uh, steadily as the disease kind of progresses. And so it's not generally speaking one where you see uh, the kind of stay flat or go up, but rather on a population basis is kind of a progressive, unfortunately, diseases that I mentioned with that tough survival rate. And so it was very interesting then is when we studied our drug in this disease state, we saw over time that we were actually stabilizing lung function or this FVC kind of measurement. And then actually, uh, as we went out into six months, and then as we saw it kind of at the end of the study at nine months, we actually improved lung function in a number of patients in the study, including on average overall. And so that was really an exciting you know, result for us. We believe that you know, the mechanism of action that we're driving has the potential to be disease modifying. And this is a really nice initial signal that we can do exactly that. So taking patients, for example, that might have this very short survival, giving them a well-tolerated therapy, but also one that might significantly extend both quality of life and length of life. So we're very excited about the initial data that we've reported in kind of an interim phase 2A result. We'll be providing kind of a final phase 2A results uh, in the first half of 2024 and really excited to do that as well. That's great. And so also just tell us about the upcoming ASPIRE trial and the efforts to make it patient-friendly, which obviously I can understand must be really important to the company. Absolutely. So I think, you know, first and foremost, right, this this initial data set that we have in the phase 2A is quite exciting, but of course it needs to be advanced into a global placebo-controlled multi-dose study to really start to confirm the effect and confirm the dose level of the effect. 
And so we're really excited to do that in the Aspire study, as we've named it, which will also start in the first half of 2024. We're really looking forward to also building in a number of features to make it as patient-friendly as possible, as you've mentioned, uh, in addition to kind of providing really a, a clear signal or a clear kind of proof of clinical concept uh, that we have a drug that's effective for IPF. Now, some of the ways in which we're, we're looking to make it patient-friendly, you know, include, you know, really looking at how many visits we need the patients to make to the clinical sites or the clinical centers who participate in the clinical study. Because as I mentioned, these folks have, unfortunately, disease that makes mobility for them sometimes difficult. You know, sometimes they need others to help them drive to the hospital, to the clinical center. So really trying to, you know, kind of make those uh, visits, you know, when they're necessary, yes, uh, but really trying to kind of limit it from that perspective. I think the other piece of the puzzle is trying to make sure as we, you know, roll forward in the clinical development that when the patient visits the clinical center also, we're being as thoughtful as possible about what types of tests we're asking them to do. And again, making sure that we collect the right data so that we can prove that this drug works, but also avoiding, you know, excessive testing that might be, you know, uncomfortable for the patient or keep them at the clinical site, you know, kind of longer than is necessary. And then certainly the other thing is to really make sure that as best as possible in the materials that we provide and the ways, you know, that we can, uh, within the kind of permissible frameworks, communicate with the patients are explaining as much as possible about what's happening in the study and what we uh, seek to achieve ultimately from it. So very happy that we were able to work with the team, you know, to, to have that strong patient-friendly experience. And, and we're hopeful that as we start this clinical study, you know, the patients will be excited to join, of course, after speaking with their physician about it, but also will find it to be, you know, an experience that all in all is something that they can manage as well, given kind of the tough disease and tough circumstances. Actually, I've just one question that I've, that just came to me as we were talking, if I may, because obviously you're, you're new to the job, right? So it's obviously a really exciting project but just tell me you know in your own words what attracted you to it and and you know how you're hoping it's going to progress as, as time goes on yeah it's a great question so you know for me right i'm in i'm in biotech because i'd like to have you know kind of an impact on patients and i think when you look at a disease like ipf that's kind of the epitome it's something where it's a tough disease it's a fatal disease and there are actually not a lot of drugs in late stage clinical development for it um, and so it's really something where you can have a huge impact if you're able to demonstrate safety and efficacy of a new therapy. And that was certainly one of the things that made me very excited to be working in a space like IPF. But then, you know, kind of why Vicor specifically? And I think really this phase 2A data that the companies produced even before I joined, you know, was quite exciting for me to see. And I spent a lot of time looking at that data as I was coming on board. And I think it's the most exciting data set uh, in the IPF landscape to date. And I think that we're, we're really excited to continue to develop it and continue to show, hopefully, that this molecule can play a meaningful role for patients with the disease. That's great. Thanks ever so much for joining us and uh, good luck with the project. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me.